All right, we hope that you were able to enjoy that worship set and are once again so glad that you've chosen to join us for service today. Now today, if you're joining us for the first time, what we're doing is we're actually continuing with our new series, which is called Abide, The Power and Beauty of God's Word. And along with our international family of churches, Every Nation, what we're doing is we're beginning this year by exalting and really affirming the importance of the Word of God in each and every one of our lives. Many times we've been exposed to the Bible or the Bible has been something that we've heard about or if you grew up Christian, it was around you, but its importance in our lives can often be diminished or lost if we don't focus on, in fact, why God said that both His name and His Word are the things which he's exalted above all things. Now, what we're going to do is today, we're going to, even as last week, we talked about the fact that uh, the word became flesh in Jesus Christ, that literally the thoughts, the matters, the heart of God was embodied in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, who lived sinlessly, showed his divinity by his signs, wonders, and miracles, died sacrificially for you and for me on that cross, and three days later, according to that same word, the predictions of his own scripture and his earthly ministry, Jesus rose from the dead to give you and I not only the opportunity for forgiveness of sins, but eternal life in him. And so today, as we continue that theme going through the gospel of John, what we're going to focus today on is not the fact that the word became flesh, but that the word gives life that the Word of God actually gives life. That's part of the importance of the Word of God in your life. You need to have a living, dynamic relationship with this living Word because it is what God uses to give you life. It's what God uses to usher you into the eternal life that is the central theme of the gospel, the good news that He has for you. And so today we're going to understand that by focusing on this statement that Jesus has life in himself. And remember, we talked about that last week, even as we said that the word became flesh and that, um, that, um, that, that word that became flesh in him was life and that life was the light of mankind. Well, we're reiterating that fact by saying Jesus has life in himself and everyone who hears his word and believes the Father receives eternal life. That's the good news of the gospel. They have passed from death to life and will not face damnation. Though they may die, they will again hear his voice and be raised from the dead to everlasting life. And so as we look to understand the reality of this good news, we're going to look again in the gospel of John, which is a little bit different than the other Gospels where you have the first three, which are synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where they have similar stories, similar parables, similar accounts of what Jesus did, what he taught, and how he was crucified and raised from the dead for uh, the sins of humanity and for ultimately their forgiveness and redemption. John was laid out differently, but was an evangelistic piece, as we talked about last week, to really prove that Jesus was the Son of God and, and to really explain God and how he wants to give life to the world. And so we're going to continue that theme that the Word gives life by looking in John chapter 5 today. So if you have a Bible, open with me to John chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 19, but before we do anything else, let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that in it we truly find the life that you have for us. Father, not only life abundant here on this earth, but eternal life, eternal life that comes only through Jesus, your son. And God, we're asking you that that which we were made for, that which we long for, really as people are trying to escape not only the reality, but their fear of death, that God, you have it all wrapped up for us in your word. And God, we pray that you would show us how to come out of our death, even in our daily living today, even in our relationships today, into the eternal life that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's open to John chapter 5, starting in verse 19, and let's read together. It says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. And what is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is talking about um, basically the fact that he had just healed. He had just healed another individual at the sheep gate at a pool um, which was called Bethesda. Bethesda in John chapter 5, the earlier part there. And whenever Jesus performed that healing. He actually, again, performed it on the Sabbath. And Jesus was ultimately saying, listen, you were marveling at these miracles that I'm doing. You saw me heal this crippled man who'd been crippled for years. And at this pool by the sheepskate, I was able to supernaturally heal him. And you marvel at that, but I'm telling you, you're going to see even greater miracles than me healing this man who had been crippled for so many years of his life. You're going to see my death on the cross, and you're going to see literally my mastery over life and death itself by my resurrection from the dead, which is only in fulfillment of the word that I've already spoken to you. This is what Jesus is talking about here. And he continues when he says this, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And so let's break this down. Let's see what Jesus is saying about his word that in fact gives us life. First of all, we see that Jesus is saying, truly, truly, 
I can do nothing of my own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. And so what we see is that even though Jesus was 100% God, he was also 100% man. And he chose in his humanity to limit his divinity and actually pr provide for you and me a perfect example of dependence on the Father whenever he says, I'm not going to do anything on my own, but I'm going to only do in unity and in, uh, in, in, in agreement with my heavenly Father, I'm only going to do that which I see my Father doing. Ultimately, he said, I'm only going to do that which my father is communicating he wants done by his word. Jesus was giving us a perfect example that our lives were to be lived by the power of God. But if we're going to live by God's grace, by his power, by his divine favor and intervention in our lives, we need to keep in step with him. And the only way to keep in step with him is to keep in step with his written word and the spoken word of his Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity, which he gives to the believers to make a home in them, to make them new creations, and then to be a guide to them day after day as they pray. He says, my word will be given to you first in that logos, secondly in that rhema, the spoken word of God, as you walk with me. But don't expect me to have my power work on your behalf unless you're doing that which I want you to do, which I've already communicated to you through my word. You see, a lot of people live their lives in such a manner where they say, God, I want to do what I want to do, but, and I want you to bless whatever I decide to do with my life. However I spend my time, however I pursue my career, however I pursue my relationships, however I use the finances you've entrusted to me, however I use the opportunities that you've given me, all of these things, I want you to be blessed, I want you to bless God, regardless of whether or not I'm using them in the way that your word commands and that you've spoken to me by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was giving us, giving us a clear indication that that's not how relationship with God works. He says, if you want to be blessed, if you want to actually live in the, in the um, life of blessing and the life abundant that God has for you, you need to keep in step with God, not expect God to keep in step with you. And that's why Jesus said, I do nothing of my own accord, but I only do what I see my father doing. First, looking into the written word of God, and then through relationship, through a life lived out in prayer, ongoing, daily, um, day-long prayer, where the Bible says, pray without ceasing, we're keeping in step with the Father. For Jesus said, for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Can you imagine that? So Jesus was basically saying that I am literally the representation. I'm God in the flesh, and I'm a representation of all that God the Father wants to accomplish here in the earth. And just as Jesus was the exact representation of all that God wanted to accomplish in the earth, so now you, as part of the body of Christ, are the hands and feet of Jesus. That just as Jesus was here to fulfill the word of the Father and do all that 
he was sent to do. Now as the church, when you belong to Jesus, come out of the kingdom of darkness and are placed into the kingdom of light, you are here to do all that Jesus has for you to do. Just as Jesus represented the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the same way, God's church, Christ's church, is to represent Christ and do all that he wants us to do by that same word and by the same power of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus operated in, to ultimately fulfill God's word. And that's why Jesus in verse 20 says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. He loves the Son and shows him all that he's doing. And that's the type of relationship that God wants with you and with me. As Jesus was shown the revelation of the Word of God in his earthly ministry, and the Father was showing him, pleased to share his kingdom business with the Son. In the same way, God is pleased to share his kingdom business with you and with me today as we walk in relationship to him and we're committed to studying, understanding, believing, and obeying God's word. God loves you too. God loves me too and wants to show us what he's doing that we might actually do what he's doing in the earth as his hands and feet as we follow him. And he says, listen, you were marveling at the fact that I healed. I healed this man who had been crippled for years. But I'm telling you, don't just marvel at that. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. And this is a powerful thing because ultimately it's talking about not just the identity of Jesus as the Son of God, but it's also beginning to speak about his authority and the authority of not just the Father's word when he spoke the world into existence and he spoke the world into existence through his son. But now Jesus is saying that same authority that the father has is invested in me. That's what Jesus is saying about himself. That same word that the father has, that God has, is the authority that I have. He says, for as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so the son gives life to those whom he will. So what Jesus is saying is life and death are in my hands. The power of life and death are in my hands. And what we all have in common, no matter where you were born, no matter how you were born, no matter what type of socioeconomic background you've come from, no matter what religion you were born into, no matter what type of things, good or evil, you've done in your lifetime, what we all have in common is that we are all one day going to die. And God says that when we die, we're going to face him in judgment. And there's someone who has the power of future life or death in his hands. And that person is Jesus Christ. And that's why he says the father, when we come to him in judgment, he says, ultimately, he's, we're going to meet that trinity. We're going to meet the father, son, and the Holy Spirit who've been waiting for us from eternity past to meet them in judgment where we're going to give an account for our lives. And God the Father says, listen, 
Don't think I'm the one who's going to ultimately judge you and judge the way that you've lived before me. He says, I'm going to judge no one, but I'm going to instead entrust all judgment to my son. I'm going to entrust all judgment to my son so that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. I'll give you an example. I'm so proud of one of my sons right now. I'm proud of all my kids. I have four kids and I'm proud of them all for different reasons. But I'm proud of one of my sons right now because one of the things that he's doing in life is he's um, choosing to be industrious by using uh, the toys that he once played with and he once enjoyed uh, building Legos in particular. And he's actually being industrious by when he's, once he's finished with them, creating an eBay account and selling them for a profit. He's got his own business right now, so much so that he was able to, in this past year and a half, start his own Roth IRA, which I recommend to each and every one of you. But the thing about it is, is that when he was starting that account, because he was a minor, he needed to start an account in my name so that the business transactions that he was having with the general public were able to be verified. They were able to trust that the person behind the sales was actually going to uh, uh, give the people the product which they had purchased. And so ultimately, he was taking my credibility and my name and enabling him to begin a business through the credibility that I had built over the course of the many years. So he took my name and my eBay account and had actually sales through that account. And in the same way, the father is ultimately setting up the son. He says, you've all been looking for God. You've all been looking for relationship with me. You've all been looking for the life that is only found in me. But God is saying it's not enough just to be spiritual. But if you want relationship with me, if you want to know me, you've got to come in my, based on my word, based on my credibility through my son. I'm giving my honor to my son. I'm giving my honor to my son that you might honor him, the son, just as you honor me. And understand that the only way you're going to properly understand me is if you understand my son. And understand that what my son has done for you provides access to me. Just like the eBay uh, uh, purchasers, they have access to the products that my son has through my account. And the father is saying that at the judgment, he's not going to judge anyone, but has entrusted all judgment to the son so that everyone might honor the son, not just God, an amorphous, uh, nameless, just, uh, I guess, nebulous idea of a God. But they said, I want you to honor Jesus, my son. And the reason that nobody comes to God the Father except through Jesus the Son is because of the redemptive work that Jesus would do on the cross. That's why he says he has all life in his hands. He says there was relationship broken between sinful humanity and a holy, perfect God. But Jesus, who came to be the perfect example of how to live life, lived it perfectly in obedience to God's commands, paved the way so that by taking the punishment that you and I deserve on that cross, we would make an exchange. God would place his wrath on his son 
and he would instead give us in exchange his right standing, otherwise known as righteousness in the sight of God. Jesus would give us his righteousness. He would take the wrath of God. And in that exchange, the justice of God was fulfilled. The judgment of God was fulfilled. And that's why the father says, listen, it's not enough that you just honor an amorphous God. You have got to honor my son because only through my son, his word and his sacrifice on that cross that you'll ever find peace with me. He says, whoever does not honor the son, verse 23, does not honor the father who sent him. So you reject Jesus, the son, you reject the whole idea of God in general. Remember, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. If you reject the son who put on flesh, if you reject God, the son, you reject God altogether. This is what he's saying here. He says in verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, for whoever hears my word, though, even though we were separated from God, God wants to give us life. Even though we deserve death and hell because of our sins, God wants to give us life. Even though your life may be a mess right now, or your relationships, or your marriage right now may be in shambles, or you're feeling the anxiety of the ongoing pandemic, and you feel that your, your sanity is holding on by a thread, God says he wants to give you life. That is God's nature. That's his intention for you. And he says, in his word is that life. He will show you how to live in peace. He will show you how to live anxiety-free, not just in relationship with him, but relationship with your fellow man as well. That's what the greatest commandments were wrapped up in. And all other commandments flowed out of those two. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. God saying, in my word is life. And I say to you that whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. So it starts with believing his word, studying it, and then believing it. Believing that Jesus is able to bring life in the midst of death. Jesus is able to not only bring life in the midst of death, he's able to heal just like he did for that person at the pool. He's able to heal you physically, emotionally, one day completely at the resurrection. And he says, I want to give eternal life to you. That though you might age and even though you might experience a physical death, God has life forever. That's the gospel for those who would believe and trust in him. He said, believe my word. Why? Because just as we talked about last week, that what we perceive about God will dictate how we relate to him in the same way what you believe and trust about God's word will dictate how you live your life how you relate to God and how you choose to obey his commands in your daily interactions and pursuits he says whoever believes my word has eternal life he does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. You see, we were all by nature objects of God's wrath because of our sin. But he says, if you believe his word, put your trust in him, then you've entered into that exchange that he's making with you at the cross. 
You're literally coming under his covering. And you're passing from death to life because by believing his word, you're saying, you know what? I don't want to just believe it, but I want to actually trust it and obey it and live my life differently. So before, when I was living in sexual morality, I'm done with that. I'm living according to God's identity for my life. Before, when I was living in drunkenness, I'm done with that. I want to live in the sobriety that God has for me and the self-control that leads to the better things that God has for me. Before, when I was living in lust, I don't want that anymore. I'm believing God's word, that I can live in purity by hiding God's word in, his, in my heart and having a new perspective and lens by which I look at the world and others around me. When previously I was living in greed, I'm freed of that now and can actually believe God's word to live in contentment because God said I can. By making me a new creation and believing his word, he says that I can literally pass from the death I was living in to the life that he has for me. And when I die one day and stand before him in judgment, he says, though initially I deserve death, because he says what I earn are the wages, what I earn for my sin is death. He says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And so when I believe his word, I hear it. That's what tells me what the good news is about. That's what tells me what God's making available to me. I study it, I understand it, I believe it. Then I say, I'm going to obey it, turn from my sin and run hard after God. God says, I'm passing actively, proactively from death to life. And that's why he says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Now, we know that later in the Gospel of John, this was clearly portrayed whenever Jesus raised his good friend Lazarus from the dead. He had been physically dead for multiple days, but Jesus showed up on the scene and showed the power of his word and said, though you're dead, though you're in your grave clothes, though you're starting to stink, Lazarus, come forth. Come out of that grave. And that which was binding you for so many days now, I'm going to tell you, you're coming into resurrection power. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And by the power of his word, he gives life to all who hear him and all who believe and choose to obey his word. And this is what Jesus was foreshadowing, not just in Lazarus's resurrection, but in what he can do in your life and mine. What has been dead in your life? What is starting to stink in your life? What is starting to decay relationally around you? What's starting to decay even in your mental health, your self-perception? What is starting to decay in your ability to function in a healthy manner in relationship with the world? If you allow the Word of God to be studied, understood, believed and obeyed, Jesus' word will bring you out of that death and into life and ultimately into his resurrection power. Why? Because the word of God brings life. The word of God brings life. For as the father, he said in verse 26, has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. You come to Jesus, you plug into him, you're able to live. Think about it like a plug, a light bulb that is full of potential, full of potential in and of itself. 
but it only illuminates a room when it's plugged into the electric socket and then it comes on and is able to fulfill its function the function that its creator had for it, that Edison had for it. But in your case, you're able to function properly when you're plugged into the Son of God who has life in himself and you're able to fulfill that which the creator made you for in this life, in this world, in your relationships and in the purpose that only he can give you. And he says in verse 27, he's given him, meaning Jesus, authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Again, that Daniel, the prophet in the Old Testament, prophesied about in Daniel chapter 7, where all the nations would come and bow down and worship him. They would give him the honor. This is Jesus referencing and connecting himself to that reference. He said, all nations will come and worship this Son of Man. And Jesus says, I'm the one. So he says, do not marvel at this for an hour's coming when all who are in their tombs will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And so Jesus is ultimately saying, by that same word, understand this. At the crucifixion, when Jesus breathed his last breath, and there was a great earthquake and the, the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place in the temple that kept people at a distance from the very presence of God. It tore so that we might actually have once again unbroken fellowship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. It said at Jesus' own death, at the crucifixion, Matthew 27 records it. It said that the curtain was torn, there was a great earthquake, and then it said in Matthew 27, verse 51, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn into front, <clears throat> from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many." When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and saw what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this is what was the Son of God. Why? Why? Because at Jesus' word, the dead come to life. That those who were in the sleep of death, as the scripture talks about over and over again, that those who were in a temporary sleep of death, Jesus, by his word, is able to raise by the word of fulfilled scripture at his death, burial, and resurrection, and then also the word that he speaks to you today. If you're dead in your sins, he says, I can bring you into life. If you're even a believer who's been trapped by cycles of sins, he can break those yokes off of your life and bring you into life because his word has life. But he says at the end of the day, you need to study his word, understand it, believe it, and obey it. Because there's going to be a resurrection, not just a momentary one where the saints testify to his identity and his resurrection as they did in Matthew 27. But there's going to be an ultimate judgment, an ultimate resurrection where those who love him and obey his word by believing it will come into the resurrection of life based on the promises of God's word, where Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the professor, 
I'm telling you what's going to be on the exam. And I'm telling you that if you believe and obey me, your reward will be resurrection life and eternal life in me. But there's also going to be a resurrection for those who've chosen not to believe me, not to obey me, and it's going to be a resurrection unto judgment, which the Bible talks about as the second death, eternal torment in hell for those who've resisted the living God. And so today, what we want to do is make sure that we are on the side of believing and obeying God's word. Why? Because his word gives life to us. He doesn't want us to go to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus came that we might have a life, life to the full, and eternal life to boot. So wherever you find yourself today, think of how you've responded to God's word. Have you studied it? Have you understood it? Have you believed it? And finally, have you obeyed it? Because God's word, if you do, will bring you life. But if you reject it, you're only marching towards the judgment and the death that ultimately we've brought on ourselves because of our own sin and that we ultimately deserve. So let's end with a word of prayer. If you find yourself today never having come into a place of believing and obeying God's word, which leads to life, but you want to do so today by putting your trust in Jesus' sinless life, his miracles, his death on the cross for your sins, burial, and then his resurrection from the dead. Would you pray this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner and I know that I've rejected your ways for so much of my life. I've lived in all types of addictions, all types of uh, wickedness, all types of selfishness, all types of self-sufficiency. And I know that even though life is found in you, I've tried to find it everywhere else but you. But I receive today your word that says in you is life and that your word brings life. And I'm asking you today to transform me by that word. I believe that you sent Jesus to live the perfect life I should have lived. And on the cross died the sacrificial death that I should have died. That he did that in my place. And I know according to your word, you raised him three days later so that I could not only receive forgiveness of my sins, but new life in you. God, would you forgive me today by your word and make me a new creation today by your word? I proclaim Jesus, my Lord, my master, my ruler, the one who's going to call the shots in my life by that word. And would you bring me into the life that is truly life through that word from this day forward? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in Christ with a community of believers who are doing likewise. If you want prayer, there are people right here, right now, who you can tap on that link below and they'll stand with you and cry out to the living God that his word might be sent forth to heal you and begin you on that track. And for the rest of us, let's go back into worship now, thinking about how the God of heaven and earth has given us life through his word. And let's meditate on the fact of how we can actually receive that eternal life and that good news through his word in Jesus' name. Let's worship now.